Hi, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming you out there in a listener land know everything there is to know about sexism and Faustian bargains. Today is April 25th, and I am Rebecca, your hockey stats nerd for the day, and I am joined in the yellow room by Nancy. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am your basketball enthusiast who's feeling very enthusiastic, and I am moonlighting uh, to talk about uh, sexism primarily, but in in that context, uh, about soccer and also a little bit about hockey. So that's fun. And in the very fashionable uh, leopard, I almost said leather, it's just leopard. It's not leather. We have Rachel. Thank you. It's my Snuggie. It's very nice. Uh, hi, I'm Rachel. I'm uh, your baseball guru, and I'm uh, keeping warm on the one day of the year. It's uh, drizzly here. What is the temperature there that you need to keep so warm at? You know what? Shut your mouth. I'm from <laughs> yeah. Florida. Rachel and I are both cold-blooded, so like, I don't take my sweatshirt off till it's 80, maybe oh 82, God. 83. Yeah. <laughs> We we had a couple days last week that were in the mid sixties, low seventies, and I was like capri pants and sleeveless shirts and flip flops, and it was amazing. No, my my perfect weather is like maybe thirty percent humidity, ninety two with a light breeze in the shade. Okay, I need higher humidity and lower heat, like. Low mm, 80s. Yes, it, I've never heard somebody say they need higher humidity. I'm, listen. You weird Floridian. I'm a very damp person. If the humidity drops below about 50, <laughs> I start to dry out like a raisin. Very moist. It's a, it's a legitimate problem. <laughs> I would love, like, no humidity and 70 degrees. See, I like the sensation of no humidity, but also my skin does not. So if it gets, I mean, I, I have lived in the desert significantly and I like it. But I also, A, start to shock the bejesus out of myself on everything. <laughs> I, I have literally shocked myself so hard I have turned things on. Uh, yeah. I believe yeah. it. Yeah. I, it's not a, it does not feel good. I can, let me tell you what. And also, like, my skin peels off my face and my nose starts to bleed. So, like, I need That's at least a, a okay. little humidity. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I... Maybe I would change my mind after living without humidity for a while, but like yeah. in this area on the East oh, Coast, totally. around the DC area, um, mm-hmm. it's I, I like mean, a we're, we're ninety percent yeah. humidity all year round. Yeah, yeah. There, there yeah. are days in the summer you walk outside. Well, I walk outside and I can't breathe because it's like breathing in nope. liquid. It's terrible. I remember that because I used to fly home from Utah, which is a desert, to St. Louis, which is not a not desert. A desert. <laughs> in the middle of August. And I do remember stepping off the plane and like trying to inhale. It was like literally mm-hmm. trying to breathe underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. See, that's mm-hmm. just yeah. like, I don't like it, but that's just like, to me, how it's supposed to be like, ah, yes. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, well, so let's get started on today's definitely going to be a super, super short episode. <laughs> this is a indication. I, I yeah. feel it's going to be focused and succinct. We're going to stay on topic. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we might stay on topic, but I don't think we'll be succinct. Well, that's optimistic of you. Um, so so let's do a let's do a little pandemic check in. We are like I said, it's April 25th. We are 13 months into the U.S. version of the pandemic. Um, things are starting to change around here. 
Many of us are getting vaccinated, thankfully. Um, things are starting to open up for better or worse. I mean, frankly, I'm still not comfortable going inside places with lots of people, um, mm-hmm, even yeah. if capitalism demands it. But how are you guys doing? So you're fully vaccinated at this point. You have been for a little while. I am. I am more than a month out for my second shot. Nice. So, yeah. So you're as safe as anybody's going to get functionally. Yep. Un- until we hit like five months from now when I need a booster. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Is Matilda vaccinated? It sounds like she wants to chime in. <laughs> I mean, she's vaccinated for everything they have cat vaccines okay, for. Okay, fair, yes. fair, fair, fair. Yes, yeah. yes. As far as I know, there is no COVID vaccine for cats as of yet. So how are you uh, holding up, Nancy? Uh, weirdly. <laughs> um, I have not yet gotten uh, any vaccine shots. Um, I only, in the state of California, only became eligible as of April 15th, so 10 days ago. Um, but I've been on a run of antibiotics, so I didn't, like, I wanted to finish that before mm-hmm. I went and <laughs> started anything else that was going <laughs> to mess with my body. Um, so I'm hoping c- to get vaccinated this week, get my first shot this week. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those sort of things are beginning to change, but just beginning to change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Warriors had their first game with fans in the building on Friday, uh, and they made a big deal out of it. It had been 409 days since there were fans in the building for a, a Warriors game. Um, and they were I mean, able to is, have some fans correct. at Chase Center before the... Yeah, because the, the season had been going on since... Yeah, but they hadn't had any fans in Chase Center. I was thinking until, the, like the the season part of the season before the pandemic, like yes, since they've been yes, in the yes, Chase yes, Center. Yes, oh, yes, see, they yeah, had had fans. Everything in the past has just squished. But together. it had been four hundred nine. They didn't have a full season in the Chase Center right. before the shutdown. Right. Um, but yeah, and and I thought it was interesting. Like I I had a, this weird moment of like. I still don't think they should be doing it. I absolutely was not going to go, but I was mm. also super jealous of him. <laughs> like I watched the yeah. game and I was like, I want to be there. I want to be. And I was like, but I don't really, but I want to be there. Right. And, um, and they're requiring you to either be fully vaccinated or to show proof of a negative COVID test within the last 48 hours, oh, which I think is a lot more than a lot of other places yeah. are doing. <laughs> Do you, and do you happen to know what they're accepting as vaccination record? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I th- think based on pictures I've seen on social media, you have to show them like your, the CDC you know, card. paper. Yeah. But, but I don't know for sure. I didn't, I didn't look into it because I wasn't going to go. No, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's still limited capacity. I think they had like 1900 people there or whatever, which is, you know, in the Chase Center, pretty small amount. Um, so that's, that's weird. But the thing I'm really noticing is that like, I don't like I've really hit this point of like dysphoria, which is weird in that, like, you know, I've been working on Zoom. I've been working remotely and like I have seen a few other humans. I do live with another human. You know, I have seen Rachel in person a few different times. Uh, My brother-in-law has come over and sat in the backyard a couple times. You know, it's not like I haven't interacted with other humans, but like I... You know, when I would go out, I used to, I used to be somebody who, you know, I dressed for the office. I would do my <laughs> hair to some extent, right? Um, I dyed my hair regularly. I wore makeup. I've always worn makeup. I've worn makeup like twice in the last year. 
which is the longest I've gone since I was probably 12 without wearing a full face every day. Right. Um, And like, I just am really hitting this point where like, I look in the mirror and I don't recognize myself. Oh, wow. And I, and I don't like, I don't know, you know, and it's, it's, and putting on the trappings of what I used to be doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. And so it's this weird thing of it, like, it's not like I can, I can, you know, put on my work clothes and do my face and suddenly I'm like, oh, that's who I, neither of them is right. Oh, and wow. it's this really weird sensation of like, yeah. you know, I still know who I am internally. It's not like I've stopped being myself internally. None, you know, th- that's not it at all. It's just that like, I don't recognize myself right. anymore. So really I don't know. It is. It's a weird place to be. And it happens on, you know, on Zoom, too. Like, I look at myself and I'm like, who? who? Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I guess that's me. Um, know, one of the best things that I have learned recently about Zoom is that you can hide self-view. So you mm-hmm. don't see yourself. See, that has I've tried that. And that makes my... me way more anxious. Yeah, then oh, really? I'm absolutely certain there's a booger in my nose. <laughs> exactly. <Absolutely> certain. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get that, but at the same time, I've found that it it decreases my stress level because mm-hmm. I'm not concentrating on myself. Like right now, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, why does it look like everything is black in this room except for my face? Yeah, and it that, does look like you're sad, <laughs> right? And that is uh-huh. stressing me out, especially since it's going to start getting dark in here. And then am I just going to disappear? I should go turn on the light. <laughs> right? <laughs> These are the things that go in my head. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. So hiding the self-view really works for me, but I can understand why it wouldn't. Uh, yeah, the idea that, that like I can I can be seen by somebody I can't see because Zoom doesn't count as seeing somebody in a way right. is like that does something. Right. But weird. I mean, you know, when I'm talking to people face to face, I can't see my own face. No, it's totally true. I might start uh, yeah. carrying around a mirror, just, you know, <laughs> hold it up. <laughs> Right next to the person I'm talking to. You know, they they make like glasses and headbands with mirrors on them for bikers. You could get one uh-huh. of those and just turn it towards yourself so that you could just do a surreptitious little like <laughs> peek. So no boogers. This good. makes okay, me let's go on. This makes me think of this terrible, terrible joke that I have to tell because Kyle and I and our dear friend Benny uh, had this philosophy professor named Chuck. May he rest in peace. He was wonderful, and his very favorite thing was terrible jokes and puns. This was like what he lived for. So every time I hear a bad joke, I think of Chuck. Um, And he used to like to talk about how he would. uh, And I don't believe this was actually a joke he told. I think he probably actually did this because he was a little bit of an understated troll. (laughs) Uh, How he would go to the store uh, and he would always carry a mirror with him uh, so that when they would uh, ask him for proof of ID, he could pull out the mirror and look and go, oh, yep, that's me, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And then put it back. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to jump off of that. When one of the times my aunt, my aunts don't fly often. Mm -hmm. Um, They are frightened of air travel and just kind of things in general. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the last time or one of the last times they flew, my one aunt did not bring her driver's license with her. Because she mm. knew where we were going. She wasn't going to be driving. Oh, funny. Yeah. And so she gets to TSA and they ask for her ID and she's indignant about it because, well, I know who I am. Uh-huh. 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 Like, true story. For real. <laughs> I believe it. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Nice. Nice. How are you holding up, Rachel? I, you know, uh, unlike Nancy, I can sing the praises of just being a schlub 24-7, no matter what the, uh, <laughs> the state of the world going on outside. I'm honestly happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the world is embracing my aesthetic these days. It's wonderful. It's true. It's true. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I uh, got my uh, first shot a week ago yesterday. Um, felt like I'd been punched in the arm. Ow. But which, was that it? Yeah, for the first shot, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Which is kind of comforting, because it's like, okay, then maybe, you know, maybe it is working. Maybe they didn't just <laughs> shoot me up with B12 and, you know, send me on my way. So, yeah, I got the next shot schedule for two weeks from now. Um, and it's it's kind of weird to be thinking about, because... Some of it has been, like, there's stuff I've been putting off until, mm-hmm. you know, I can go out and do things. And that's, in my mind, it's been, you know, once I get the vaccine. And, of course, once I give the two-week period for it all to, to kick in and everything. Right. Um, some of it's, you know, annoying stuff, like medical procedures and DMV things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it's good. I, you know, will hopefully be able to travel to see my family again this summer. Uh, really looking forward to that. But it's just so weird to start thinking about, okay, now I have a date, you know, two weeks after May 8th, I can start yeah. looking at flights and appointments and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you, the, 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 my day-to-day is not functionally changed. I'm still working from home. I'm still not going to the grocery store. Like, the only places I go are CVS and my acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. Um, I go into the office maybe once every other week or once a month. But I'm the only one there. Like, so few of us are going into the office that when we go, there's maybe one other person there. Um, but I do, I I have planned a trip um, because that's, like, the one thing that I miss most of all is <laughs> leaving my house. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I, so I really feel you there. And it's- so when do you anticipate that changing for you, Rebecca? Like, at what point are you going to feel like, okay, I am going to go to the grocery store now, or like, I am going to go to a movie theater when they open or like, I don't know. I don't know. So um, Mother's Day is coming up. And Mm. my family wants to go to a restaurant for Mother's Day dinner, as in eat inside the restaurant. Right. And we're all vaccinated, except my 100 year old grandmother, who's just not going to which is fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, just the thought of going and sitting inside a restaurant mm-hmm. makes me like, makes me clench up every muscle I have. So mm-hmm. like even knowing that I'm quote unquote safe and that my family members are quote unquote safe, mm-hmm. I think I'm still going to have a really long like learning curve for remembering how to be out in public spaces again. Yeah, yeah, I really feel that coming because I, I, I think I, ha- I mean, I have a little bit of dread of the vaccine, not because I think it's a hoax or anything bad, but just because it's like, you know, do I voluntarily want to take a thing that is probably going to make me feel sick and also fuck with my period? Not really. Like, that doesn't sound like a good time. I mean, obviously, it's worth the trade off and right. I'm going to do it, like, right. clearly. But, you know, it doesn't fill me with joy. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of, like, having the side effects, right? But, so, I mean, there are plenty but, of people who didn't have side effects. I, I had know, nothing. I, I felt the punch in the arm and that was it. That's awesome. Nice. So that's great. That's what I'm hoping for. But, you know, and, and like, 
it, again, very low bar, totally worth it, absolutely going to do it. But I'm also realizing I have this little bit of like trepidation around like, oh, okay, but once I'm fully vaccinated, I can't say no to things anymore. Mm. Right? See, yeah. but I think this is where we as people need to make a social contract yeah. that you can still say no to things, right? <laughs> like, say it with me. No is a full sentence. <laughs> Right. You can say no to something. You can say, no, I'm good. Goodbye. Like I can. And I, and I will. I mean, I don't like I am actually relatively decent about that most of the time. But but it's that sort of like, yeah, I will lose the automatic excuse of are you fucking kidding? It's a pandemic. Right. Right. So I don't know. I have to. That's something I have to sort out in the next six weeks or. Yeah, you're definitely not alone in that. (laughs) <laughs> Some of us have been avoiding family things for a year because are you kidding uh-huh. me? It's a fucking pandemic outside. And now I'm like, we're all vaccinated. I guess I have to go. Shit. <laughs> yep. Mom, Word. if you're listening to this, just pretend I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well and the- it's also, there's also, sorry, no. there's also stuff that like, you know, so like we're looking at reopening the church, right? Because our church mm-hmm. is mostly old people. Mm-hmm. So like, I think Kyle and I will probably be the last people to get vaccinated, mm-hmm. right? And so the bishop has said, beginning on May 23rd, assuming that you're in compliance with county guidelines, mm-hmm. you can begin to have people inside with mm-hmm. masks, without communion, mm-hmm. with no singing and so forth. And I'm torn because on the one hand, it's like, oh, thank heaven, but it's also on the other hand, like I have this, this thing where I'm like, okay, but so if literally everybody in there is vaccinated, but we can't have singing and we can't have communion, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know? So that's something I have to deal with mm-hmm. on, on just a, a me level. And I think the church will have to deal with it too. At what point, like, and, and, and just culturally more broadly, at what point do we decide we're safe enough? Right. You know, yeah, like, there what's, is no what's the bar? Right dividing line, you know? There isn't. Right. No, especially since some people have thought that they were safe enough all along. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There's that. Um, well, in the interest of making this not a three-hour episode, I'm going to go ahead and shepherd us to an actual sports ball topic, if that's okay Fair. with everyone. I guess. Please go ahead. <laughs> um. So we talked about, uh, I mentioned sexism in the intro. So Nancy, do you want to go ahead and talk to us about uh, women's hockey and the Super League and sexism shenanigans? Sure. I would, well, I was going to say I'd be happy to, but. You'd be happy to talk about it, but you're not (laughs) happy. I'd be happy to talk about about it. I'm not happy about the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not happy to have to talk about it. Yeah. Right. So uh, let's start with soccer. Um. So I don't follow soccer super closely, but I kind of follow it tangentially. And there is a podcast on The Athletic uh, full-time with Meg Linehan that I listen to every so often, which is fun. Um, and a thing that happened this past week was that um, the... So there's there's European soccer teams, right? There's the whole set in England that are a big deal. And then mm-hmm. each country in Europe has their own set and they're, they make a shit ton of money and the good teams are really famous and they have fans who've been fans for hundreds of years. And it's a whole thing, right? Like, yeah, Americans that I haven't even heard of. Right. <laughs> right. And, and like, 
Yeah, it's 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 a much more it's much more institutional than it is in America. So I think on some level, like Americans just don't kind of can't get it. But like, it's a thing. Yeah. So this week, um, six of the British teams in the Premier League uh, and six other European teams, I think three Spanish and three Italian announced that they were going to make a super league. Is this men's um, soccer? Or women. Men's yes. soccer. Men's this soccer. is men's okay. soccer. Um, and they uh, were going to play each other. And this was going to make them lots more money because they're the best teams. And as far as I can tell, it was basically a, we shouldn't have to play these other teams in our leagues that kind of suck because it means we don't make quite as much money. Is basically the argument as far as I can tell. So Yay, Capitalism. It, right. Well, it Anybody was- who... I kind of had to do a little bit of reading about this because I kept seeing how big a deal it was. And I was like, well, what? Uh-huh. That's- it was a huge yeah. fucking yeah, deal. Yeah, it was an interesting thing because like sitting here as an American and like, huh, mm-hmm. the rest of the world is really up in a uproar about <laughs> yeah. this. And I'm just <laughs> exactly. kind of like, okay, so you'd have two more soccer games a week? Like, that's a bad yeah. thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're used to baseball, which plays like four games a day. Yeah, that's this is true. This is true. <laughs> Um, but, so they were going to add like midweek games, right? Like Tuesday and Wednesday games, which I guess they don't normally like have. Yeah. So that's was, that was kind of like why I was confused because, you know, it was just like, okay, they're, but they're not replacing the games from the right. other leagues. They're not withdrawing from these other leagues to join this Super League. They're just adding mm-hmm. some games okay. between the most popular teams. I, so I think... I think the main outrage, well, there were a few different things that pissed people off. First of all, the the organizing bodies were pissed because this was entirely an end run around them, Mm -hmm. right? This was going to be a new league that had these founding members. They were going to add another eight teams eventually from other countries. um, And basically, they would get to keep that much more money. So none of that money would go into the existing league. None of that money would go into the national teams. Um, So this meant that some of the teams would be in two different leagues at the same time. Yes. Okay. They hoped. Right, right, right. (laughs) I think there are several different, like, I think the teams are actually in several different leagues at the same time. Like, their home country leagues and full European leagues. Oh, sure. That was another thing that was confusing me, because it's a very different system than we have here. In the U.S. Well, kind of. It's not actually that different. Um, there's, yeah, there's the the sort of national leagues, right? So in England, it's the Premier League and all the different club teams play each other. But then there's also the European League overall, where the different national teams play each other. Um, so this is a little bit like what Mandy has talked about with the friendlies. So where like the U.S. has, you know, all the different women's teams that play each other, but then they pull from all of those teams to make the national team and go play like Canada or Korea or whomever, right? It's the same deal. It's just because Europe's got so many more countries and is so much closer. They do it more often, I think. Um, So, but uh, both the home leagues and the uh, FIFA and the European league got real fucking pissed (laughs) and said, if you do this, you're not playing with us anymore. Um, and the fans, interestingly, also got really angry, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. um, there was just huge, huge fan outrage. Um, and, of course, the other teams in 
the leagues where these teams currently play were pretty unhappy about it. And apparently not even the team players knew about it and not even the staff. What? So like So who yeah, organized this thing? The owners. Oh. The owners. All yeah. Right. Well, there you and go. And it was backed by JP Morgan. Mm-hmm. So an interesting piece of this and I didn't run this down, but but I heard some I I read a commentary that was talking about how this smacked of American investment in this league. Mm-hmm. Because I guess what's happened recently is some American billionaires have come in and bought these British teams in particular. And backed by now an American bank, we're just like, well, we could make more money off of this. Let's blow this up and build our own thing. With, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Without <laughs> understanding the nuance of like, what existed and how the fan base interacts with it and the tradition of it all and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's because they don't care about the fans or the tradition of it all. They care about making extra millions and billions of dollars. Yeah. And I was reading about how they were like the difference between open and closed leagues, which is, I guess, like Mm -hmm. which teams can make the, because we, I guess, are all closed league systems in the, Mm -hmm. the major men's pro sports here in the U S and that like mm-hmm. all teams play every year and have a chance. Mm-hmm. But so I, I didn't fully understand that, but that was part of the, the issue was that they were trying to make a closed league. Right. A closed league with a capped number of teams yeah. and like the founders would always be part of it regardless. They couldn't be expelled. Right. And like, yeah, yeah, it was a whole, a whole deal. So it lasted about 48 hours. I was going to say, I, I knew that it happened and I knew that it fell apart very quickly. Very quickly. Excellent. And, and to me, it was one of those things. It just, I, you read it. I read the announcement and I was just like, so literally nobody who was involved with the planning of this has ever been told no in their life. Yeah, right? It's all old white guys with money. It's old white guys with money because they just so clear. It was like, you know, where it, they just come to you with this idea and they can't even conceive of the fact that like there might be anything wrong with it. Right. Like it literally does not cross mm-hmm. their mind. Mm-hmm. There was no contingency plan. There was no thought about like, well, what if the organizing body says no? What if they say, we won't let your players play for their they national team? They would never team say no. This is a perfect, right. brilliant <laughs> idea. Exactly. Exactly. So that was, so that was piece one and it immediately fell apart. I think, uh, one of the Italian teams, I think, left first and then all the British teams left and then the other five were like, well, fuck. (laughs) Um, but the best part of this is that, uh, and I use best, you know, in quotes here, um, is that first of all, it was named the Super League. Now guess, guess what's already named the super league i mean there are a bunch of things aren't there the uh yes but in fact the week before this happened the women's super league which is the women's soccer in england celebrated their 10th anniversary so like that's cool that the men were just like you know what's never been used? Super League. We'll build a Super, Super League. League. Well, the way I heard it, like, th- this has been, like, there have been rumors about it and talk about it for a long time. And then I guess they just decided, you know, nobody thought they were actually going to do it, but they did. 
I think there's been rumors of similar things. Apparently, this was three years in the planning. Um, but I guess one I'm of sorry. the main this super league has been yeah. three years three in the years planning, in and the they planning. never talked to anybody outside hours. that little no. circle jerk no. of friends. <laughs> yeah, no, totally did not. Yep, yep. They got the money in order, and that was it. That was all they needed. Um, yeah. So, but the best part was that uh, of the 746 words used to outline this plot. Um, 27 words were dedicated to the mention of women's soccer. So the problem here, of course, is that these six British teams in particular, and a couple of the, I want to say the Spanish teams, also own women's soccer teams, right? So what was going to happen to them if their clubs pull out and are not like Mm -hmm. allowed to play for the national team and are not, you know, like, what happens? Well, Somebody must have brought this up like in the week before the announcement mm. <laughs> was read because they did manage to come up with 27 uh, words for it, which were as follows. You know what? I'm just going to say this was some female like copy editor oh, in yeah. the organization. She's like, uh, do you guys know this is a thing? We, we have one of these. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 100% correct. I am certain of it. And thank you to her mm-hmm. for getting the following sentence in the announcement. Uh, as soon as practicable, after the start of the men's competition, a corresponding women's league will also be launched, helping to advance and develop the women's game. So as soon as practicable, meaning in the next decade or two. Maybe, if we remember. Right. And also... We believe it is our uh, responsibility and right to help advance and develop the women's game, which we've clearly forgotten even existed. Until this very moment. Until this very moment. But we're obviously the right people to make that promise and to do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was cool. So that's that's that. Um, So in in other shitty things for women's sports... Yep. The uh, NWHL uh, finale was canceled again. Oh, really? Isn't that what you, we were that. talking about? No, not the NWHL. Oh, the IIHF. Yeah. The yeah. IIHF. So, so let's just go straight there. Uh, the Yes, the International uh, Ice, Ice Hockey Women's World Championship, uh, which was, it, it's, you know, where all the different national teams come together and play. Uh, was scheduled in Halifax, will be canceled due to concerns over risks associated with COVID-19. They pledged to work together with Hockey Canada toward finding new dates for the tournament with the goal of hosting the event in summer 2021. Uh, They canceled it 15 days before it was supposed to happen. So, you know, lots of nice notice for all the players who were getting ready for this. Yeah, some had already started to quarantine, hadn't they? Yep, Mm -hmm. they had. Uh, and they had no backup plan for Mm-mm. what to do, none whatsoever. Meanwhile, the men's is going ahead, uh, and they did have backup plans for how to handle it. And yeah, so that's, I mean, that fits right in with what we know of how men's and women's sports are treated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, was there any, the thing that, sorry, go ahead, Rachel. Oh, I was just wondering, like, was there a specific thing about the women's tournament well, that so, had to do with COVID concerns or was it just generic? So the the women's was set to be hosted in Halifax, mm-hmm. uh, Canada, and the men's is 
uh, set to be hosted in Riga, Latvia. Mm-hmm. So the Canada is dealing with a particularly bad uh, trajectory Outbreak. with COVID yeah. right now. Um, so that's why ostensibly that was canceled. I, I have to be honest, I have not done any sort of research on what Latvia's COVID numbers look like, but um, it is it is very possible that there's a difference there in, um, you know, their COVID levels. Nancy. Right. That's entirely possible. Um, oh, I mean, I still think it's bullshit. However, uh, the same organization moved the under 18, I assume that's what U18 yep. stands for, Men's World Championship, uh, moved it from Michigan mm-hmm. to Texas. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I believe the facility which was hosting the Tex- the U18s in Texas offered to also host the women. Yes, they did. I was going to say, in Texas, there are no limitations on anything. Texas exactly. will host yeah. anything and actually, right now. Actually, I think it's the the Dallas Stars organization. I think it is who has yeah. offered to host the women's. Right, which is great but- because I got to say, <laughs> it's sometimes challenging being a Dallas Stars fan because I hate Texas and because they're so uh-huh. fucking ass backwards. But if they could do this for the women's league, that would be amazing. It would be amazing, and it is unclear to me. I could not find any information on why that's not being allowed. Um, why they're not doing that. So, well, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, fine, you had it planned for a place that is experiencing a surge. You want to do something, okay, no problem. Have a backup plan, accept an offer from a place that, you know, is also doing another thing run by the same organization. No, no, let's just cancel it. We don't, yeah, we don't want to I mean, at this point in the pandemic, there's no excuse for not no. planning for an outbreak in there's a particular not. area. Yeah, not at all. So um, I would say I suspect the reason that we that it hasn't just like automatically moved to Texas is because the um, stars season would still be going on when this when the women's tournament started in early May and the stars are still hoping to make a playoff push. But they're they're a little bit on the fence (laughs) Um, again. Not an excuse, but I suspect mm-hmm. that would be the underlying quote unquote explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, stars hockey is not going to go into the summer. So no reason why um, right. Dallas can't host the women in the summer. Yep. 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 So sexism in sports alive and well. <laughs> if you had any doubt. <laughs> not suffering from COVID at all. In no. fact. Um, so in, in, uh, in actual shocking news, as Mm. opposed to the sarcastically shocking sexism in sports news that we've been talking about, Rachel, it sounds like the A's are, are doing some interesting things this season. Yeah. Winning? Well, (laughs) tell you what, they, uh, what's that whiff of brimstone (laughs) in the air? So they lost the first six games in a row, right? And even if you're not mm-hmm. a sports fan, I think you have to agree, not great. Not a great no, not, start not to ideal. the season. Um, so they lost the first I mean, six. they play a lot of games, but yeah, still. still. Uh, they won one game. They mm-hmm. lost one game. Mm-hmm. And then they won the next 13 games in a row. Holy shit. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, that streak did come to an end just today with what's can only be described as an absolute facepalm of a game against the Baltimore Orioles. Um, 
really against the Orioles. Yeah, who are not great. Um, <laughs> I was bound to catch up with them eventually. Yeah, so somewhere around the... They have uh, to get their losses out at some point. Yeah, so that they can I mean, keep it, winning through the postseason. It had to happen at some point, you know? Um, yeah. Kind of wish it hadn't happened the way it did today. Because um, oh. it... It seemed like they just kind of gave up and let whoever wanted to pitch, pitch, and it worked out about as well as that sounds like it would. <laughs> um, but yeah, so round about the crazy 10th inning walk-off win to the Twins, where somehow they got three runs without getting any actual hits, I started to suspect that the A's had made a deal with the devil <laughs> uh, in order to tor- turn their fortunes around. And, you know, even thinking about it now... 13 games in a row and then they lose mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. do much to disabuse me of that notion that they did they lose have... by no you can finish sorry oh just that they may have struck a deal with the devil did they lose by six points seven i think no. but yeah it's a round up from yeah. the mark of the beast <laughs> yeah 6.66 <laughs> rounded up is seven exactly. So, exactly. yeah <laughs> the numerology works out as it usually does yeah sure um <laughs> Yeah, so all of a sudden they went from not knowing how to play baseball to remembering how to play baseball. And given they mostly weren't playing against the strongest teams, um, though they did start out by sweeping the series against the Astros. I believe they, did they sweep it or did, was that their first loss? I don't know. We can it just happened. say they swept it. Yeah, they swept, yeah. Um, yeah, and well, I mean, the standings in Major League Baseball are pretty screwy right now as it is. Right now, the Kansas City Royals have the second best record in all of baseball uh, and are leading the uh, National League Central. Uh, the standards, the uh, standings sure are great in the National League West right now, though. It, it got screwed up after the, <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, Houston tanked a game, which was... Boo. Yeah. I mean, but, I always like but to explain, see... But explain to people what so, miraculous thing happened. This is really a visual joke that you kind of need to see to get, but when you I'm line sure up when you line up the the logos, the official logos of the teams of the American League West, if you put in order in order from the best record to worst record, you had briefly the A's, the Seattle Mariners, the Houston Astros, the Los Angeles Angels, and the Texas Rangers. The A's is a logo is an A apostrophe S. Mariners is an S. Uh, Astros is an H for Houston. Angels is an A. Rangers is a T for Texas. So when you put and what's that spell? When you put those hats all together, it spells ass hat, which everyone <laughs> which is very <laughs> delighted about. It's just so good because it's you spell so it with the hats. Yeah. Like, that's the part that really just got me. Yes. I was like, yeah, there's no yeah. like finagling there that anyone had to do. That's just Mm-mm. what just it is. Line up those hats. Just yep. what it looks like. Yep. Yep. And on the standings board too, where they're, you know, they're in a mm-hmm. vertical column. So it's not quite the same effect, but yeah, I mean, it was just really a mm-hmm. delightful time to be a baseball fan. <laughs> <laughs> But short-lived. Short-lived, alas. But maybe we can get it back? Yeah. I mean, the A's are obviously going to stay on top of the, the rankings for quite a while now. Well, they have 
paid for it with their immortal souls I, after know, all. I gotta so. say, I hope that they bargained for more than just those 13 games in a row. I think we at least need to see them win the, the AL West this season, if not the, the whole shebang. I mean, it might depend on like whose souls they were using, because... I mean, I feel like some of them probably have a pretty worthwhile soul, but then I don't know about others. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, what are you going to get? And I just, you got to wonder, was it one guy making this deal or was mm-hmm. it the whole team? Or was it like the team? Yeah. Or well, like the and, management? And is 2021 going to otherwise keep the devil busy? <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we'll see how, how this plays out through the rest of the season. That's awesome. uh, I will I'm say, not... having having watched a couple of those games, the ways that they were winning was were like dumb and tricksy. So deeply it improbable. Out. Fun, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was some games that they should not have won, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they did. Uh, Correct. Keep the streak going. So yeah, there's a there's a guy who um, measures who does data visualization for hockey. Um, his his Twitter is ineffective math and he has one of his charts is um, uh, the four corners are dull, bad, good, and fun. And so this feels <laughs> like it would fall under the fun category. Yep. Mm-hmm. That Very kind of so. chaos that leads to winning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also did want to mention while we're talking about baseball that they did, um, keep a few of the changes from the weird season last season. Um, so they, uh, the national league is back to not having designated hitter for this year, mm. but there's, uh, the, the common opinion seems to be that the, the players union is going to use it as a bargaining chip when they renegotiate their deal after the end of this season. I'm not sure, exactly sure what they mean by that. Cause that's what the players union wants, but you know, I could have put literally any research into that, and I didn't. So we'll, we'll see how that develops as time goes on. Um, well, maybe it's something that they're willing to give up if they can get something else. Maybe that's what they mean mm, by the bargaining chip. Maybe. Like, it's something they want, but it's not, like, a must-have. I kind of got I the know. sense that it was, because it's something that oh, they've okay. wanted for a while. But I- I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But they have kept... The uh, seven-inning doubleheaders, so uh, games aren't usually scheduled as doubleheaders uh, on the regular season schedule, but games get rained out, things happen, entire teams get COVID at the same time, so they do have to plan. You know, the for, usual. Yeah, yeah, the usual at this point, um, to reschedule some games, and they do that by scheduling two, game, two th- games on one day, which is called a doubleheader. And uh, for last season, they, instead of playing full nine innings for each game, they played seven innings each for a doubleheader. And they've kept that for this year, um, which that kind of surprises smart. me. I, yeah, honestly, I'm going to commit a little bit it's of baseball nice. heresy here and say that I like the seven inning games. You know, it's yeah, like, agreed. there's a difference between a two and a half hour game and a three hour game that feels like more than 30 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I would. Especially if you're playing two games in a row. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, they're, they're keeping that. And then, uh, what was the other thing? The, the, extra innings starting a guy on second, Yes, yes, that's it. Thank you. So I like that one too. Um, Yes. So, uh, if they have to, if they're tied at the end of nine innings and they have to go into any innings over that, 
uh, the last person to have gotten it out on any given team will, the next time their, their team is up to bat, start on second base. So everybody starts with one runner on in uh, extra innings, which is makes the game go faster because that's kind of the big problem is right. getting base runners in those extra innings. So it makes it more likely that somebody's going to score instead Quicker. of going yep. 16 innings with no runs. Yes. Word. yes. And yeah, extra innings when just nobody's scoring and nobody's even getting on base are just a slog. And I don't think anybody really likes them. So I can't imagine that's good yeah. for the players either. Baseball. Yeah. Baseball purists can suck it. That's it's awesome. I like the, the base runner in extra innings. Baseball purists need to change with the times. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say need to get a hobby, but they already have one, so that's yeah, not. Baseball. <laughs> more, yeah, baseball. Maybe exactly. more than one hobby would be. Yeah. Like, oh, they need to find a second hobby. hobby. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Nancy, tell us about how the Warriors are doing. We had some bad Steph Curry news, right? We did. We had some bad Steph Curry news. Now we've got some spectacular Steph Curry news. Um, so the Warriors are doing just fine, um, which is you know, kind of all you can ask from them this season, to be <laughs> honest. Um, they are currently in 10th place, uh, right at 500, 30 games won, 30 games lost. Um, they have 12 games left to play uh, in this season. Uh, and one of the things the NBA has kept from the last season was this sort of play-in thing. So normally the playoffs would be teams one through eight, Everybody fights to get to that eighth seed, and then that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as of starting last year, and then they're repeating it again this year, teams seven through ten actually do a little play-in bracket to determine the seventh and eighth seed. Okay. So currently being in the tenth, and there's a fairly big drop-off, I think, to eleven. So it's likely that the Warriors will be at least tenth. Um, they will get to play in the play-in bracket. So they're not guaranteed a berth in the playoffs, but it's possible. Um, if they manage to climb up a few more spots, it becomes maybe even likely um, that they would make at least the first round of the playoffs. But all of that pales in comparison to the things that Steph Curry has been doing, um, which are some insane. Yes. He put up some yes. insane numbers. All of the he things. Has, all of the things he is busily doing all of the things breaking all of the records and as and, you may and recall being a delightful human while he's doing always it. Yes, that's the always. part i love about him the most like i don't know that much about him really i love his he's wife because she's got a great cooking show but but the fact that he can be so good and still be such a lovely human yep Anyway, Very tell us about the wonderful things he's done no, no, on the you court. are absolutely right that is an important part of being steph curry um, so as you recall, he injured his tailbone a while ago. Uh, he still, when they bring out like the folding chairs for players to sit on, like at halftime and between quarters, they bring one out with like a four inch butt pad for him Aww. to sit on. I he mean, also, he, he does have kind of a shockingly flat butt for an athlete. Oh, he's kind of shockingly small for a basketball player. So he it is. stands to reason. <laughs> um, he, also is currently still wearing a butt pad, which you can see if you watch a game. Oh, he so runs that when he it. he runs around in it, so that when he inevitably gets knocked backward and lands on the hard floor, he's got a little cushioning there. Um, That's so cute. It's <laughs> it really so cute. Is. I don't know why. He, 
also wears ankle braces because he has a history of rolling his ankles and needing surgery on them. He has, in fact, rolled his ankle this season uh, and rolled it real good last season. Um, so he so he is out there. I'm just I'm setting the stage here. Mm-hmm. He is out there running around in um, a butt pad mm-hmm. and ankle braces mm-hmm. and still beating the pants off fucking everybody, right? <laughs> like, so I, I'm going to read some highlights here from an article entitled Stephen Curry's Ridiculous Scoring Run with the Warriors Explained in Four Stats. So uh, this was written as of uh, like four or five days ago. They've had two more games since then, one in which he kind of sucked and one in which he was equally spectacular. Um, So currently, as of like four or five days ago, he had hit 72 three-pointers in the past 10 games which was the most three-pointers over a 10-game stretch in league history. To put that in perspective, Chris Paul, who is a well-known, quite good guard, made 73 three-pointers this season. (laughs) (laughs) And they've played, Uh, what, 40, 42 games this season so far? No, no, they're up to 60. Oh, they're up to 60. Um, Okay. Yeah. The uh, Steph has put up 260 three-point field goals. He, he's made 260 three-point field goals, the most ever in a player's first 50 games of a season. Wow. Uh, he, with a 40-point game in April, of which he's had several, he passed Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan for the most 40-point games in a single month, which is five, by a player age 33 or older. And uh, Michael he Jordan, is, a good basketball player. Do I have that correct? You do. Okay. Kobe Bryant also acknowledged as pretty fucking good. Uh, he's also the first player to average 40 points per game on 50% shooting through 10 games in a month since Wilt Chamberlain hit those thresholds in 1963. So Not bad. That tells you. Yeah. Hmm. Uh the victory last Monday marked the sixth time this season that he has drained 10 or more three pointers and the 21st time in his career. I think he's done it again since then. Uh, And his lead over the rest of the field on that list is preposterous. So games with 10 or more made three pointers in NBA history, 21 that's Steph Curry in his career, six, that's Steph Curry this season. That's spots one and two Holy on that shit. list. Ever. <laughs> the next person is Clay Thompson with five. Wow. So like his single season is better than literally anybody else's career, career. in wow. games with 10 plus three pointers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Think that one all the way That's through. That's amazing. He's also currently at the top of the league's individual scoring list with an average of 31.4 points per game. Uh, And he also uh, broke... uh, uh, Wait, where'd it go? Oh yeah, there was a point this month when he had more games with made three-pointers than four other teams (laughs) in the league. He himself alone was making more three-pointers than four other teams wow yeah i love i love like being alive and in sports fandom 
when you see somebody like this mm-hmm. breaking records and he just is, like shattering records. Yeah, just shattering them. And and this was one of the things, I mean, particularly the stat with like the number of made three pointers, right? Is that like the commentators were trying to talk about it and they were like, you know, we try to draw comparisons, right? And and you could say, you know, okay, he's breaking Kobe's records, he's breaking Michael Jordan's records, he's he's starting to touch Wilt Chamberlain's records, which are stupid, like nobody's ever touched them. But those comparisons don't capture it. Like he what he is doing is unprecedented. Right. At his age in this game, the way the game has changed from what it was in the sixties, right? Yeah. Even in the nineties. Like you just like you can't make those comparisons. There mm-hmm. is no, there's literally no comparison. Mm-hmm. So another interesting aspect of this is that, um, so Steph has been MVP of the league twice. That he was, but this was years ago. He was named MVP two years running. He has been widely ruled out as MVP this year because the Warriors aren't good enough. Generally speaking, in in the NBA, at least, right. in order to have your main your star player named MVP, you have to be in like the top five right. or so mm-hmm. of at least your conference. And the Warriors are not; they're tenth, right? Like best case scenario, they make yeah. it to sixth. Absolute best case scenario. Yeah, it's it's kind of similar but, in hockey. Like there's no there's no like rule about it, but right. generally speaking. Yeah. If the rest of your team sucks, even if you're dragging them along behind you, you're not going to get voted MVP if exactly. you're not like high up in the rankings. Yeah, I exactly. think it's a little yeah. looser in baseball. Because um, Stanton did make MVP of the National League one year when the Marlins were not mm-hmm. great. Anyway, continue. So, so there are a few other guys who are considered, you know, good for the MVP race. Um, Nikola, Nikola Doncic, uh, Joel Embiid. Um, Giannis Attentacumpo, uh, I don't, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. And, oh, uh, yeah, Joel Embiid, I said him. So one of the things that's been really interesting to watch, um, because Steph Curry, while he is a lovely ray of sunshine human being, is also competitive as shit, right? <laughs> because that's how you get to be this kind of player, right? Yep. He is playing his best games against those guys. Right. right. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Friday night's game was against the Denver Nuggets who have uh, Nikola Doncic as their main MVP candidate. And the Warriors blew him out. And a lot of that was Steph Curry. He also, they beat the, uh, the uh, Joel Embiid and his team like last week. Did it quite well. Steph Curry had, I think, 49 points. Jesus. Right. So, like, so he is now, I was seeing earlier his odds in the, like, looking at Vegas betting and stuff on, in terms of who is in the MVP race, his odds have improved dramatically. They've gone from, like, 10,000 to 2,000. Um, so, like, he is now, he has dragged his way into the conversation, even though the Warriors are at 10th. So I'm going to be real interested to see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if one player is regularly beating all of the MVP candidates, they kind of, you have to be in a conversation. You feel like that's the case, don't you? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's not like the Warriors are bad. It's right. not like they're bottom of the barrel. Like, especially if they're like, if they make it into the first round of the playoffs, like, yeah. yeah. So that's stuff. Uh, so Draymond I have Green a, also. Yeah, yeah, oh, go I ahead. Wanted to get your opinion on this. Do you think, because I honestly don't know what the answer would be, mm. that Steph Curry has a season like this if the Warriors are doing better, if Clay is healthy, if there are more people stepping up on the team? So that's a really interesting question. Um, the consensus that I have heard in people talking about it is no, because, you know, if Clay Thompson is healthy, they're sharing the ball, yeah, right? You, you just have to pass the ball to somebody else at some point. Right. <laughs> On the other hand, I feel like, so my personal opinion is I don't see why not, because even like, I just feel like in that case, the Warriors are just blowing everybody out, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and because the fact that Steph Curry is managing to do this while having three to four guys guard him every night, how, why wouldn't he then do that with like one or two guys guarding him while the other two go guard Clay, right? Like... So, I, you know, as you're talking about Steph and him breaking all of these records, it, it mm-hmm. sounds very similar to me to Ovechkin because mm-hmm. he's, he has been breaking all sorts of hockey records for the last 15 mm-hmm. years, right? Mm-hmm. He's coming up on a bunch of Gretzky's records and Mario Lemieux's mm-hmm. records. And mm-hmm. um, he's routinely gotten um, 50 goals in a season, which is huge. Right. Um, and, you know, he's always gotten more than 30, which is mm-hmm. also huge. I mean, there are plenty of players who don't get 30 in their careers, much mm-hmm. less every season. So the the one year, I want to say it was 2016-17, was one of his lowest scoring years for a full season. And he scored 33 goals. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that people are saying he scored so quote unquote few goals that season is because the rest of the team was so aggressive and high goal scoring. Mm, so, you know, so there's no way to know, of course, yeah. if that's mm-hmm. really the case. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, o- Ovi similarly has people guarding him all the time and he still mm-hmm. manages to put up 50 mm-hmm. points. Um, or 50 mm-hmm. goals. But then in the in the one year that he was matched kind of across the board by other players, mm-hmm. his production dropped off kind of because he didn't have to be the producer mm-hmm. all the time. Right. That's an interesting question. Is, is Steph doing this because he has to? I feel like Steph is doing this because he has a point to prove. I feel like, you know... Um, they had they had the dynasty and then Katie left and Clay got injured and Katie also got injured. Um, and then the following season was just a utter shit show and Steph was out for most of it. And people really were, you know, sticking a fork in the dynasty and just saying, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Clay, you know, he's going to be out two years when he comes back. He's not going to be the same. Steph's too old now. Draymond's old and also beat up. And like, that's it. That's it. Like, <laughs> the most we can hope for is that like, they have a few more kind of mediocre years mm-hmm. before they retire, right? And I think, I really feel like Steph has come out to basically flip everybody the middle finger in the politest way possible. <laughs> You know, by saying, "No, I'm still this here. Is, I'm still viable. I'm still here. I can do this. I'm still, yeah. I'm still viable." And look at what we can be next year, yeah. right? Like, I really think 
he is setting the stage for him and Clay to come back and play together. I have zero doubts that Clay Thompson is still going to be fucking Clay Thompson. Like, yeah. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm two years off and like he's going to be older. And like, I don't but buy still. it. <laughs> I don't buy it. Like, yeah. no, Clay so Thompson's still going to be fucking Clay Thompson. Two years for a player Thompson. of that Carol- caliber isn't going to suddenly yeah. make them yeah. drop off no. to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So should we actually be bad mouthing Steph Curry in an attempt to make him prove himself even more? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he needs it this season. Mm-hmm. Let's see how next season starts. Okay. And then, like, maybe we'll need to stick a fork in things then okay. just so he can, like, yeah. But so so speaking of, I just I, I want to touch on a couple other things with the Warriors real quick. Uh, and the first is Draymond, who is also amazing. He is close to averaging a triple-double without points, which has never been done. So if you recall the triple... I don't recall. Please tell me. <laughs> so triple doubles are uh, Three beef patties and two two slices of cheese. No, sorry, sorry. Keep going. Pickles, sauce, lettuce, <laughs> sesame seed bun. So it's a game stat. Uh, points, steals, rebounds, blocks, and assists. Right. These are the five categories that are on your stat sheet if you're a basketball player. So obviously, for most people, the highest one is points, right? Because it's the easiest to get a lot of points. Uh, a common, the most common triple double will be uh, points, assists, and I think steals is usually next. Sometimes it's block or uh, no rebounds is usually next. Sometimes it's steals. Sometimes it's block. It's really uncommon to get a triple double without points. Okay. Right. Okay. So, Draymond, last night, or not, uh, Friday night, today is Sunday, uh, had, I highlighted it here, let's see if I can still find it, tied his career high with 19 assists to go along with 12 rebounds, and he just didn't have enough points to get a (laughs) triple-double. And that's where he's living right now, is that if he just hit another basket or two, he'd be averaging a triple-double every night. But like, 19 assists is absurd yeah uh it's it's his career high the and and that was only the second time the warriors had 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 19 assists since the 1970s so like pretty fucking good uh draymond killing it um wiseman james wiseman is out for the rest of the season he had to have knee surgery so he was their young promising hot all-star um hot shot all-star uh, so this is bad in the, sh- in the long term, probably, because he needed that practice, he needed that chance, but also they're playing much better without him. So it's sort of one of those, because eh, eh, <laughs> he's a rookie, he doesn't, you know, yeah. like, and yeah. he's a rookie whose college season was taken away by COVID. So mm-hmm. like, he just really doesn't have the experience. And he was learning a lot. And he has a ton of natural talent. And he's going to be great for them down the line. But right now, it's really helping them to not have him on the floor. So so it's too bad, but it's not necessarily entirely a bad thing. Um, and the last thing is Kelly Oubre. So I like Kelly Oubre. The, the Warriors have, have picked up a couple of really good pieces, I think, this year. They've got Juan Toscano Anderson, who is fucking amazing, uh, and is doing a really great job, and they better fucking sign him for next year. Um, they've also got Andrew Wiggins, who they added in a trade, uh, for D'Angelo Russell, who I didn't like. Wiggins is working out great. He's very steady. He seems to be really happy on the Warriors, doing a good job. Uh, Jordan Poole was somebody they had drafted and they brought him back from the G League and he's doing reasonably well. Um, and Kelly Oubre, who they added 
And I think Kelly Oubre is great. But the problem is that they have struggled to find a good fit for him on the team. Who does he play with well, right? He's a good player, unquestionably, but he's a bit of a roller coaster. And so it's been hard to figure out who to place him with. They've mostly been starting him. uh, But this past game, they had him coming off the bench and it worked really, really well. And Steve Kerr, Uncle Steve, has basically said that's what they're going to do the rest of the season. So the problem here is that Kelly Oubre probably rightly, thinks that he should be a starting player. And he's a a free agent this summer and kind of wants to get paid like a starting player and get the recognition of a starting player, right? Which you can't blame him for. Yeah. So the problem is, can the Warriors convince him to stay a sixth man in the mold of somebody like Andre Iguodala who was a starting player for the Denver Nuggets, but came to be the sixth man on the Warriors because he knew the Warriors were going to make a championship run. And they did, and he got two rings out of it. Uh, So it's going to be a big question for Kelly in the summer. First of all, who makes him an offer? And second of all, is it worth it to him to go to a different team and be a starter and not be playing with the Warriors, maybe not get to the championships, not be playing with Steph and Clay and Draymond? Or does he want to be a really good, really important player off the bench and be on a potentially championship winning team? And I think that's very much up in the air. Um, I hope it works out because I think that would be great. I think if they can go into next year with Stephen Clay and Draymond, they keep Looney, they keep JTA, they keep Poole uh, and Wiggins and Oubre. I think that'd be spectacular. I think they'd really have a, a seriously good shot at things. Um, if they do that. So that's the Warriors. They have another game tonight. Should be a good one. That's awesome. It's really exciting that we have teams that are doing well right now. I know. I'm really (laughs) happy about it. And it's just, I mean, as much like whether or not you watch basketball, like watching Steph Curry right now is bonkers. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to vaguely remember watching Michael Jordan and mm-hmm. like having that as a comparison point and that he's mm-hmm. outpacing Michael Jordan mm-hmm. is kind of amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we have passed the one hour mark, but since I am host, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and keep going because I want to talk it. about my thing. <laughs> yes. Your turn. Your turn. As is your right. Um. So I have two major hockey milestones that were achieved within the past couple of weeks that I want to talk about. First is I, I've been going back and forth in my head on which one I want to do first, but first is um, Patrick Marlowe passed Gordie Howe for the most games played ever in mm-hmm. NHL history. So Gordie Howe, played 1,767 games. Uh, He retired in 1980. So his record has stood for 41 years. Oh, the 80s years ago. Isn't that about how old Patrick Marlowe is? Is he like 42? (laughs) He is almost 42. (laughs) Yes. It's just funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So Patrick Marlowe, um, passed Gordie Howe's record, broke that record of 41 years. Um, the So 
So, of course, that means Marlowe played 1,767 games. The next highest active player in the league right now is Zdeno Chara, who just passed 1,600 games. Um, so Chara is over two years older than Patrick Marlowe and, uh, what is that, 180 games behind him. So mm-hmm. he has to play at least two more full seasons, um, more like two and a half, to mm-hmm. catch up to Marlowe, who is two years younger than him. So Patrick Marlowe's record, since it's, especially since it's not even over yet, probably going to stand for quite some time. Um, so Marlowe was drafted by the Sharks in 1997. Um, his first game was against the Oilers on October 1st, 1997. Um, oh, wait a minute. I have a thing about it. Oh, yeah. He was drafted in 1997. One pick after Joe Thornton, who turned mm-hmm. out to be his long, long, long time teammate. And the photos of them as as brand new draftees. Oh, my God. <laughs> they are infants. They are hairless infants. Babies. It's true. It's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, so Marlowe has played for 23 years, 21 of those with the Sharks, two seasons with Toronto, which very recently, and then mm-hmm. a handful of games with Pittsburgh. He played about eight games, I want to say, with Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I just, you know, because he is the second, I think, second oldest player in the league, um, I wanted to do a little comparison. So the first pick in the 2020 NHL draft, which would have been over this past summer, mm-hmm. was Alex Lafreniere, who plays for the New York Rangers. He was born in October 2001. Uh, and like I said, Marlowe played his first game in October of 1997. Mm-hmm. So Lafreniere, probably his parents weren't even married at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I had to go back to the 2016 draft to find a player who was born before Marlowe's first game. And that was Austin Matthews, who was picked first in the 2016 draft. He was exactly two weeks old when Marlowe played his first game. Um, Marlowe has 566 lifetime goals, 630 assists, which is 1,196 points, which is 50th of all time um, points in the league. Um, He has played in 195 Stanley Cup games and gotten 127 points in those games, which is 0.85 points per game. And sadly, he has never won a Stanley Cup. (gasps) Oh, yep. Nor has Joe Thornton, right? Yeah. 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 Which is why, in fact, I think they they have both gone to play for other teams mm-hmm. other than the Sharks in the last couple of years to mm-hmm. try and get one. Right. Yep. But yep. have not succeeded. Yeah. Thus far, the, you know I don't, Joe Thornton's somewhere right now. He's not with the Sharks. I don't remember. Where I he think is. he's playing with Toronto. Is he okay? I think so. Right. Um, and you know what? I got to say, I'm I want Marlowe to win to win mm-hmm. one. I don't really care about Joe. Uh, but I don't want the Leafs to win one. So they yeah, can go play for tough. a different team, like not the Penguins, mm-hmm. and win there. That would be fine. I mean, I was going to say, I you support so fine. many teams that surely they can pick one that you love. Exactly. Thank you. Um, 
I mean, I wouldn't be mad about the Sharks winning, but that's not happening this year. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Nope. No. Yep. Nope. Uh, no, the Sharks are... Well, they're not at doing the exactly... bottom, but they're like sixth from the bottom. Yeah, they're doing exactly what what was clear they were going to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, then the real, then the real ass, one that, that I want to highlight is my favorite player who plays for the Capitals, Nicholas Backstrom. He hit his 1,000th game on April 15th. All of those games have been with the Capitals. So he was drafted fourth overall in 2006. Um, I don't know if you guys will recognize any of these names, but he was behind Eric Johnson, who now plays for the Avalanche, um, Jordan Stahl, Jonathan Taves. Um, he was in the same draft class as uh, Claude Giroux, who's the captain of the Flyers, and Brad Marchand, who is stupid. And I, he's the liquor. Brad Marchand is the liquor. Ew. I yeah, remember so. that name because you hate him. <laughs> mm-hmm. He plays for Boston, so um, yeah. So um, Nikki was drafted fourth overall in two thousand six. Um, his draft, like his being picked, was announced by Ovechkin, who barely spoke any English at the time. He wanted <laughs> to go to the draft because he wanted to meet Nikki and see the process and all this kind of stuff. And like shortly before the Capitals drafted Backstrom. Um, the owner said, Hey, Alex, why don't you announce this? And he's like, no, no, it's in English. <laughs> um, and I mean, you can still find video of it and it's very halting English, but you know what? Better than I could do in Russian. <laughs> um, so Fair. he announced, yeah, he announced, um, Nikki being picked in 2012, 2013, the, uh, NHL had one of its infamous lockouts. Um, so the NHL didn't play games for, until the like spring of 2013 Backstrom went with Ovechkin to Moscow to play in um, Dynamo Moscow. He played 38 games there, scored 20 goals and 30 assists for 50 points, which is one is, is better than a point per game, um, which is good for hockey. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, he was, he played in the IIHF, which is the tournament we talked about earlier. He played in that in 2013-14 for Sweden, where they came third. Um, and he played for Sweden again in 2016-17, where Sweden won. Um, in 2014, Sweden won the gold at the Sochi Olympics, but Nikki was disqualified because he had pseudoephedrine in his system which is uh, Zyrtec. Like, he right. has allergies, so he's taking yeah. Zyrtec. Um, and I was reading a, a couple articles about this, and one from um, a professional bike racer um, who's done a bunch of research on, uh, you know, doping, because that's been a whole thing in cycling. Mm. Um, he points out that the World Anti-Doping Agency, WADA, the limit on pseudoephedrine is based on scientific estimates of being tested the day after a single dose Mm. um, and not on somebody who takes it on a daily basis because they have allergies. Right. Sure. Um, So the, so the limit at the time was 150 micrograms um, Mm -hmm. and Backstrom it's reported that he um, showed 190 micrograms, which 
you know, is still a tiny amount, but right. Um, so the year that Sweden won the Olympics, he was disqualified. That's so sad. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the 2017-18 season with the Capitals, can you guys hear the uh, yes yep. the ice cream the ice truck? Cream truck. Yeah. Does anybody <laughs> want some ice cream? I will go around outside. Oh yes, yes please. Fudge <laughs> stickle. This truck looks like it was built in 1972. <laughs> we is, have one that goes around our neighborhood too, about the same vintage. <laughs> yeah, it is like it, it's seriously creepy. Yep. Like it looks like a van that you would tell your kids not to. Not to go near. Yep. 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 Um, anyway, sorry. Um, so the 27-18 season is when the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. Um, in that uh, playoff run, um, he Nicholas Backstrom broke his hand or broke it, two fractures in his finger, um, taking a puck to the hand in the second round against the Penguins. He missed four games, including the game that won the series against the Penguins um, came back in game four of the third round series against Tampa Bay um, and averaged again, more than a point per game in that playoff run. So in 20 games, he had five goals and 18 assists for 23 points. Um, He has 971 points so far as a player on the Capitals he holds franchise records for assists plus minus. The plus minus is um, number of goals for minus number of goals against, right? So he's been on the ice for 119 more goals than he has been on the ice for goals against, which speaks to generally his defensive play and the team's Mm -hmm. defensive play when he is on the ice. Mm-hmm. He also holds holds a franchise record for season adjusted assists, which means that they take a regular 82 game season. And for any season that's shorter than that, they adjust it to be for an 82 game season. Mm. Um, he is also fourth in goals, second in points, third in goals created, second in goals created adjusted for season length, fourth in even strength goals, fourth in power play goals, fourth in game-winning goals, fourth in shots, and third in assists per game. Um, and I will just say he is so interesting and fun to watch because of the way he plays. He mm-hmm. is self-admitted not a fast skater. I mean, he's you know, faster compared to any of us, but compared to like the Connor McDavid's of the world. Oh, I don't know. I fall down pretty fast. <laughs> um, he's, he's not a particularly fast skater, but he has what people call a very high hockey IQ. So mm-hmm. he can see the game as it develops and he can say, play, mm-hmm. see plays before they develop. So mm-hmm. it's really fun to watch him take possession of the puck you will see him receive a pass or steal the puck or whatever, and he will hold it and people will be moving around on the ice, the other team, his team moving around. And he's just holding it. Nobody tries to like get up in his business because he's Nicholas Backstrom and he will kill you if you get up in his business, but he will just hold that puck until he can make that perfect pass Mm. frequently to a person who doesn't even realize they're a scoring place. And that's how he has so many assists. He just, He's really good at slowing down the pace of the game, holding onto that puck 
until it's time. And so he, he's the Draymond Green of hockey, is what you're saying. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of his old teammates, Brooks Like, um, said, watching him play, it's like he's playing chess while we played checkers. Mm-hmm. He's just playing on a different level from any, everybody else. And yeah, but you know, if everybody I, else is playing checkers and you're playing chess, you can't win. Yeah, but he can. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he just, he, he finds these impossible passes through traffic, over sticks, through people's legs. Um, and, and this is why he's the all-time assist leader for the Capitals. And, you know, hockey is frequently so fast paced. It's, it can be hard to watch, especially if you don't know what you're watching, yeah, um, I still have a hard time with that. Yeah, if you watch him, you will see him slow down the game. Hmm. It's it's incredible to watch, and I love him. <laughs> so that's my that's my uh, that's my celebration of Nicholas Backstrom. Please feel free Very to nice. hit me up on Twitter if you'd like to talk more about Nicholas Backstrom, <laughs> because I could do it. For quite some time. Well, I have a question. Is that ice cream truck just parked outside your house now? Because I still hear it. <laughs> so my street is a U. Uh-huh. And it's on uh, the other side of the U. And the other side of the U is where all of the children live. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so well, I suspect they have come out of their homes for I'm glad they're having a good ice time. cream truck ice cream. Yeah. Um, so in the interest of time, I will not talk more about Nicholas Backstrom here, <laughs> but seriously, I could do it longer if you want to talk about it. Um, and I will turn it over to Rachel to, uh, take us down the home stretch with our <laughs> unwritten well rule done. of baseball. Okay, <laughs> Bring us home, Rachel, bring us home. Okay. So today's unwritten rule of baseball is, uh, pitchers don't glare at their fielders for making errors. It seems polite. Yes. So, you may have noticed I give MLB pitchers a lot of shit for a lot of good reasons. Mm-hmm. But yep. I guess I'm willing to admit that pitching is sort of hard. I mean, let's not be hasty. I mean, I can throw stuff. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's hard enough that it's a real shame when you as a pitcher do your job perfectly. For example, you get the batter to hit a weak grounder that goes right to the shortstop only for your fielders to mess up the play by bobbling the ball or airmailing the pitch to first base. Those actually both (laughs) happened back-to-back in one batshit inning at the end of the last A's-Twins game, allowing the three runs to score and the A's to get the most banana pants walk-off win I've ever personally seen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now that's a pretty extreme case, but fielding errors do happen. They happen so often that they're counted as part of the box score. When you look at a summary of a game, you'll usually see three numbers for each team. Runs, hits, and errors, sometimes abbreviated RHE, always in that order. These three numbers are supposed to give you a highly abbreviated picture of how the game as a whole went. However, it's important to note that there are capital E baseball errors, and there are just plain old fuck-ups. And there is, in (laughs) fact, a difference. Wow. Is that a little E for fuck-up? Yep. (laughs) And uh, capital E errors. Yeah. (laughs) A capital E error occurs when one of the players out of the field makes a fairly obvious mistake that allows a run to score, a base runner to advance, or an at-bat to continue when it ordinarily wouldn't. The standard here is one of what's called ordinary effort. That is, your average player putting forth an ordinary effort should have successfully made that play. 
clearly sounds incredibly subjective. Indeed. The next sentence I've written, clearly, this is a hugely subjective statistic. (laughs) So who decides? Who, pray tell, is the godlike outside observer who decides what should have happened? And can we volunteer for that role? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to guess it's not you as of yet. I know. I would like it to be. So that would be a supposedly neutral individual called the official scorer. In the early days of the MLB, someone from a local newspaper would fill this role. But then as the the importance of statistics increased in terms of players' careers, the home team would start putting pressure to make subjective calls in their favor. So MLB started hiring official scorers (laughs) for all games in 1980. Who definitely can't be pressured by anyone. Not a bit. Now, official scoring is its own subject, so I won't get too deep into it now. But it's important to remember that the official score doesn't actually have ramifications uh, for the game that's being scored, but it does decide how that game is officially recorded. You see, any time the bat hits the ball and the ball stays in fair territory, it can either be an out, a hit, or an error, but only one of the three. So let's say the batter hits a ground ball to the shortstop. Ordinarily, you'd expect the shortstop to scoop the ball up and throw it to the first baseman, who would catch it in order to get the batter out. However, Mm -hmm. this time, let's say the shortstop bobbles the ball and isn't able to throw it in time, and the runner gets safely to first. The shortstop Mm -hmm. might be charged with an error. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, the shortstop fielded the ball cleanly and made a reasonably good, good throw to first, but the first baseman didn't make the catch, the first baseman might be charged with an error. Mm, In either case, the batter couldn't count that at-bat as a hit. They still get safely to first base, but their batting average doesn't go up. So it's a matter of record-keeping. What? Why? (laughs) Because it's not because they batted well. It's because somebody else made a mistake. Yes. It's like... And that counts against their score? That seems incredibly unfair. It's like you failed to kill someone, so you don't get charged with murder. (laughs) You get charged with attempted murder. Sure. Because that person Except happened to survive. Except we're not counting attempted murder. We're, ca- we're counting survival. Yes. In that case. If every every batted ball can only be uh, an out, a hit, or an error. Okay. That sounds so unfair for the batter. <laughs> yeah, it really does. I mean, it can be. It, it can be. Well, here, I'll keep going. So, of course, <laughs> even in that basic scenario I've just pitched you, you can see all the opportunities for judgment calls. If the Mm -hmm. shortstop made a crazy diving stop toward the ball, not fielding it cleanly, but displaying extraordinary effort for a ball that otherwise would have made it into the outfield, does the shortstop Mm -hmm. deserve an error? If the first baseman doesn't catch the throw from the shortstop, is that the fault of the shortstop or the first baseman? How do you judge the goodness or badness of a throw? Right. If the fielding mistake wasn't that bad, but the hitter is just a really, really fast runner who managed to beat the throw, should it be Mm -hmm. considered an error at all? No. Complicating all this is the fact that as legendary baseball writers... Just ask us more questions. Writers, we will answer yeah. all of them for <laughs> you right this. now. Okay. We got it. <laughs> okay. We're taking all the subjectivity out of it right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. As legendary baseball writer Bill James said, you have to do something right to get an error. That is, you have to try to make a play in the first place. If the mm. shortstop made only a token effort to stop the ground ball and it rolled into the outfield, the shortstop probably wouldn't earn an error. Now, you don't actually have to touch the ball to earn, to earn an official error, but in practice, that's usually how it works. A batter oh. who hits a fly ball that falls untouched between two fielders will usually earn a hit, rather than either of the fielders earning an error. Because remember, the batter has skin in this game, too, which I think you did remember. The more <laughs> errors there are in a game, the fewer hits there are. 
Now, this becomes deadly serious when it comes to scoring a no-hitter. This mm-hmm. is a pitcher's accomplishment. So the thought is that errors made by the fielders shouldn't count against that achievement. But it can make for some weird scoring decisions. After all, huh. if you get strict enough with those errors, you can, on paper at least, keep the team from other team from getting any hits at all. Now, I don't think this is necessar- necessarily a problem with baseball or scorekeeping. There's just no way to be completely objective about something that somebody should have done. But it is a warning to remember that statistics never tell you the whole picture. Take that crazy A's versus Twins game. When the dust settled, the A's had 13 runs to the Twins' 12. However, the Twins had 18 hits to the A's' 13 hits, and both teams had two errors. That crazy 10th inning where the A's scored three runs? Officially speaking, there wasn't a single hit, even though the bases were loaded. As much as baseball fans love their stats, they are, I must admit, kind of bullshit. But don't worry. (laughs) I haven't forgotten that this is supposed to be an unwritten rule segment. Have I used it solely to explain the concept of the baseball error? Well, yes, because not glaring at teammates who make errors is a pretty straightforward show of respect. If you're a pitcher who displayed what is euphemistically called excessive body language when your teammate messes up. Oh my god. (laughs) You'll be thought of as a bad sport. Now, of course, the inverse of this rule is also true. Fielders shouldn't glare at the pitcher when the opposite team gets a home run. Uh, That, however, does not count as an error. It's just a plain old fuck up. And them's the rules. (laughs) So what is the purpose of an error? Uh, It's to... uh, I mean, on one hand... It's a to, yeah, yeah to 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 quantify a, the de- a team's defense, which it doesn't mm, always do mm-hmm. a great job of. Um, there are fewer defensive statistics than there are offensive statistics, I believe. Um, which kind of makes sense. And it's it, so you may notice if you uh, look at, at baseball box scores for any length of time, not a whole lot of errors get counted as errors. Um, you know, two for a team for a game is standard to high. The A's are a particularly good defensive team. They don't tend to have a lot of errors. Um, and they don't either capital E errors or lowercase f fuck Or fuck ups. Yeah. <laughs> so that's important to remember that, you know, it's not the kind of the default is hit, not necessarily error. Uh, so that's important to remember. But you know, okay. with baseball scorekeeping, it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. You know, if you take uh, umbrage with, uh, you know, the way errors are scored, that also takes umbrage with, you know, how hits are scored, how batting averages are calculated. I do. I take umbrage with that whole thing. Yeah. Because I just think it's ridiculous to count to have the result of the action negate the actions having happened Mm -hmm. so like i feel like you should count what the batter does separately from what happens right so like every at bat either results in a strike a hit a run or a foul right like and then those can result in either you know i mean a run is a run either way like that i run still count as hits Mm -hmm. But then an error should still count as a hit because the batter did still hit the ball. Yeah, yeah. Like, it did still mm-hmm. happen. It's and to say that just because the outfield or the infield fucked up 
doesn't mean the batter didn't hit the ball. Yeah, like, it doesn't. It's like they're conflating yeah an, a, a defensive statistic with an offensive statistic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll say two things to that. Uh, first of all, she didn't make the rules. Yes, I didn't make the rules. <laughs> Yeah, I, you Fair. know, knowing Sustained. what I know about baseball scoring, it's I a, a better system is not obvious to me. Um, <laughs> okay, that's fair. Okay, and as I am the arbiter of all things baseball, we're gonna yes. go with this system for right now. Okay, um, I do think I do think it is kind of odd that they don't keep a statistic for like how often. The hitter makes contact and it goes into. Yeah, fair I feel territory. like if I were a batter, I'd be pissed. I want to know how often I like that yeah. feels like an important stat to me. How often I'm making contact, and also how often I'm making contact with something that goes into fair territory yeah. and is you know useful. Yeah, I mean, I guess the argument against that would be that it's results based. You're just trying to account for why somebody ended up on base if they ended up on base because of a hit or an error. Mm. You know, um, but that doesn't. That, that, I mean, that doesn't feel, it, it still feels like an important piece of the picture that you're not getting for the batter, right? Like, if you're yeah. looking for somebody you want to get on your team, you ostensibly want somebody who is good at putting the bat on the ball, right? Like, regardless of what the team they're playing is failing or fail, you know, succeeding or failing to do with them yeah, putting that bat on that ball. Yeah, but as someone who spent, like, three softball games in a row hitting balls directly to the third baseman and getting out, results are important, too. Well, I'm not saying they're not, but I'm saying the fact that you were not just striking out every single time was also valuable. That's true. I mean, strikeout rates are kind of recorded on their own, but... But, yeah. but that's what I'm saying, right? Like, you going up, you know, even in our tiny little bullshit, you know, intramural bottom-of-the-barrel league, like, half our team, bless their hearts, can't hit the ball at all, ever, right? Like, that's it yeah. is the truth of it. Yeah, no, it's true. It's fine. I love them anyway. They're great teammates, but like, it's the truth of the matter, right? So the fact that you could go up there and actually, you know, because, because you could, even if you were hitting it to directly to the pitcher, or directly to the third base, you still had a chance of them not catching it or a chance of it going somewhere else, right? Yeah. Because you had the possibility of hitting the ball. Some folks don't have that, right? <laughs> now, obviously, yeah. it's different in the major league, but that should be counted for you. The fact that you were actually doing the thing, even if the result wasn't good. Yeah. I mean, that's true. And especially given, you know, the the league huge number of strikeouts that are happening, you don't see a lot uh -huh. of balls put into play. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, it's, it's a... a look at record keeping rather than the actual play of the game. But I do think there does sometimes have ramifications for the actual play of the game. So sure. if sure, I I'm devise a better it shouldn't system, be counted, I'm saying we should count more things. and more. You more want than, more statistics for baseball. I want more statistics. I do. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, the other thing I, I think is that like more numbers run shouldn't necessarily i mean i feel like runs should be counted differently too but anyway i'm gonna drag us on into the two hour mark no i'm not gonna let about you. this i mean <laughs> yeah as much as i jesus i told you that was gonna happen one time <laughs> deep breath rebecca deep breath. and you know what on that note we're just gonna go ahead and wrap it up <laughs> I'll, I'll propose my revised scoring system to Rachel. We'll see if she buys it. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I'll freak you both out by telling you that walks don't count as at-bats. 
We're going to have to come back to that one. We're going to have to save that one for another day. I can't. It was like that. There was like dead the, air. I was not going to. Cycling gif. Yeah. Of like yeah. loading. I, I yeah. used to both of you at the same time. It was pretty you did. amazing. You did. You did. Yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us once again. Um, you can find us on Gmail at foulpuckpodcast at gmail.com. On Instagram at foulpuckpodcast. On Twitter at foulpuckpod. Uh, and uh, foulpuckpodcast.net. Also, I am Agent Bex. If you want to talk more about Nicholas Backstrom, <laughs> I am always here for that. Proselytizing. Um, Rachel, you want to you wanna yes, do our shout-outs? Like, yes, I would like to give a shout-out to Joe for doing our editing, as well as Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. And I would like to encourage everybody to go on to uh, particularly iTunes, but also the uh, podcast app of your choice, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever the hell you listen on, uh, SoundCloud, where we, we upload all our stuff, and give us a five-star rating, and give us a review, and tell us how awesome we are, and tell your friends, and spread the good news, because we're great. We're great. And I really think our, our last episode and the one I'm going to post today actually have been really good. I think we've we've been doing... Some really good episodes oh, lately. So finally, awesome. you know, <laughs> it's about damn I mean, time. We're we're raising the bar to at least knee high here. All right, you know? That's, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. be careful, yeah. guys. We don't want to raise it too high. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we definitely want to be able to step. Keep over expectations it for sure. nice and low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so on behalf of Falpuck, I'm Rebecca, uh, and I'm really glad that no one is counting my excessive body language and. So uh, I will thank you all for listening and we will catch you next time.